ninja. What's great about this country is that America started the tradition where the richest consumers buy essentially the same things as the poorest. You can be watching TV and see Coca-Cola and you know that the president drinks Coca-Cola. Liz Taylor drinks Coca-Cola. And just think, you can drink Coca-Cola too. A Coke is a Coke and no amount of money can get you a better Coke than the one the bum on the corner is drinking. All the Cokes are the same and all the Cokes are good. Liz Taylor knows it, the president knows it, the bum knows it, and you know it. Okay, hi everyone and welcome to Geography Ninja. So as you may have guessed, that wasn't Andy Warhol talking, that was me doing my quite bad impression of Andy Warhol talking about Coca-Cola. Um, and this is an actual quote from Andy Warhol. Uh, and although it's about Coca-Cola, he's, he's not just explaining that Coke is a soft drink. It's more about the cultural message that Coke represents. So some of you may be aware, Andy Warhol created a famous painting in uh, 1962 of Coca-Cola bottles which were were really more of an examination of iconic American products and the power of American culture with the message that it conveys. So in the in the post-war era, American values such as consumerism and individualism and equality um, really equaled the American dream and the the global reach of American culture provides just one element identifying the USA as a global superpower. So what this podcast seeks to do is to look at the USA in terms of its superpower status, uh, looking at many, many different aspects. But I thought Andy Warhol and Coca-Cola was a pretty good place to begin. Okay, well, I think we should start off by just discussing what the term superpower actually means. Um, and it's been defined in, in several different ways. So if we start off with um, with one that defines superpower as a country that has an advantage in four different axes of power, um, those axes being military, economic, political and cultural. Um, now, Professor Paul Jukes from the University of Aberdeen uh, suggests that a superpower has command of the world as needed possesses huge economic potential and influence, and carries some degree of universal ideology. Okay, so, you know, superpowers are, uh, they've got power, they've got influence, and they can, they can direct that influence really to anywhere on the planet and become dominant. And usually geographers can um, categorise two, two types of power uh, that are wielded, and one of them is what we can call hard power. And this is really getting your way by force. So what we mean by that is invasions and war, um, gunship diplomacy, I think it, it has been called in the past. But also sometimes economic power can be uh, be a form of hard power as well. So if we're th thinking about stuff like sanctions, um, and trade barriers they can cause uh, they can cause problems for non-compliant nations um, and the other type is what we could call soft power 
And this is, is really uh, using the power of persuasion or it's, it's other things that a country does. So it might be their, their, their culture. So going back to Andy Warhol talking about American icons like Coca-Cola, that's a really attractive image um, around the world, uh, a sort of way of, way of life, um, making that country seem uh, very um, appealing that way of life seem appealing. So it might not necessarily just through soft drinks, we could also be talking about music, um, uh, films, that, that sort of thing. So soft power is really, is uh, is is persuasion. You, you could also say international aid is another type of soft power. So we can also uh, think about terms such as Americanization. We are looking at the USA as a superpower um, and this is you know really following on it's the same sort of thing the the importance of US culture on a global scale so there's maybe lots of things we can we can look at here you know not just um, Hollywood films or the the role of Disney we might also be thinking about big brands from the USA such as um, Apple or Starbucks, um, you know, there's there's a huge list we could could come up with for those Superman, Batman, you know, Spider Man, the whole the whole range of these things could. It's really how how these different cultural traits and values might be uh, projected around the world and and adopted in in other countries. Ooh, that's quite interesting. Okay, well, let's get to the heart of what we're uh, looking at here. So really, what makes the USA a superpower? Because it has been in that role since about 1945, the end of the Second World War, um, rising superpower status. Uh, There was the period between about 1945 and the early 1990s, which has been termed as the Cold War, when the US was, was in competition with the USSR, the Soviet Union, and at that point, we we could describe the world as a bipolar world. In other words, two superpowers competing for for dominance. Um, really, since then, since uh, the early nineteen nineties, we've been more in a position of what we could call a, a unipolar world, with the USA having uh, pretty much complete dominance in superpower status. Uh, and it's only in more recent years that we've we've had um, other countries, um, particularly China, um, rising to really really challenge the the USA in, in any sort of way. But on on most counts, the USA is still is still up there. So <clears throat> if we if we go back, let's go back um, a couple of hundred years, and we we could look at something like the British Empire. Um, as well as the French Empire and of other European states who had empires around the world, and really this was the the colonial era, um, which you know pretty much gave us the 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 modern world. Well, certainly up to about 1945. After that date, uh, decolonization happens, and this is, this coincides with the the rise of the USA. Now, if we think about you know what makes the USA a superpower, all of the types of 
influence and, and strategies. It's not colonial. It's not like the British or French empires were in the 19th century. Um, it's, it's, it's done on a, on a different basis. The US has not really built an empire, not in the, in the, the, the same way. It hasn't colonised uh, other nations. What it has done, it's used more what we could term soft power. So particularly, um, you know, spreading its, its uh, values and culture through um, diplomacy and media and aid and so on. And, you know, all of the, the other things that we've just been talking about a few minutes ago, the, 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 uh, the, the influence of the American dream and the American way of life. All right, well, let's look at, at particular aspects of superpower status and, and why the US might be, uh, you know, why we can identify some of these things as superpower status. So the first one I just wanted to, to talk about was military power. And I think it's fair to say that the US has used a combination of what could be called overt military power, but also the, the covert operations as well. Um, now, over the last uh, 70, 75 years or so, the US has intervened in many other sovereign states. So this is the, the you know, the, the reach, the power and the influence and the reach of a superpower. Um, now, that uh, bit of information comes from William Blum, who is a former US State Department official, so as to say that the US has intervened in the affairs of almost 50 states since 1945. Um, if we look at the, the spending, you know, how much does the US spend on uh, military power? Uh, well, we're, we're getting towards 600 billion US dollars. Now, just to put that in context, um, if we were looking at the United Kingdom, um, we are well probably below a hundred billion dollars. So the the US is is far in advance. China, also uh, the figures I'm I'm looking at here around a hundred and fifty billion US dollars. So the, really the US in terms of military um, spending is way above um, anywhere else. Um, <clears throat> and military bases as well so the us has got installations and military bases uh, certainly in in the usa as you'd imagine but really around the globe so you know across europe southeast asia uh, latin america middle east and so on turkey uh, pacific um, so plenty of of reach there in terms of uh, military power if we shift our attention to um, economic power, then again, the US comes very high um, on, on that list. So there's about 320 million people living in the USA. Um, that's, that's less than one twentieth of the world's population. However, they own more than 40% of global personal wealth. So compared to other other regions, other countries, the US is far in advance of uh, many other other parts of the world. Um, 
Also, uh, many of the world's largest transnational corporations are US owned. So back in 2015, approximately one quarter of the 500 largest global uh, TNCs, transnational corporations, were, were US owned. So very substantial um, in, in terms of that. Um, now, if we shift our attention to um, political power, uh, really, the USA has has been at the helm in terms of uh, really setting up the the global economic system as we know it, which really dates from um, from the mid nineteen forties. So this is when the end of the um, Second World War, when we had institutions like the World Bank, United Nations, IMF, being set up. Um, the, they, they all have a particular ideology or, or philosophy, if you like, which is very much based on um, uh, the, the, the free market. And this became known as the Washington Consensus. So these are all intergovernmental organisations. They're all based in, in Washington, D.C. So this really means that the U.S. has, has a really big influence over... Uh, how these uh, organisations operate. And did you know that to date, every president of the World Bank has been a US citizen? It's a fact. Okay, now, back in 1993, a book was published called The McDonaldization of Society, and this was by um, sociologist George... Ritzer, and what he the point he makes in that book is that McDonaldization is when a society adopts the characteristics of a fast food restaurant. So, um, well, you know, geographers love making up words. So that's this is a sociology one, but you know, geographers can can uh, appropriate that word as well. So, really used to describe the way that things like American food have shaped global culture. So this, again, this is, this is part of the soft power influence of the USA. It's, it's alongside Americanization. We can use like McDonaldization, not just about food, but we might also think about fashion and, and media. You know, so these sort of brands, they're not just for the, for the USA. They, they've, they've been exported around the world. You can find McDonald's in, in London or Beijing uh, and you, you know, it's going to be instantly recognisable. Um, <clears throat> the other point about soft power um, in terms of the USA is that it is a major donor of overseas aid. Now, overseas aid is an interesting one because um, well, when I was at, at university, I, I took one of my modules was about aid and projects. And one thing I remember being told very uh, insistently by the uh, the course tutor was that aid is a business. Um, there's, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's not, not a lot of room for uh, sentimentality, emotion and things in aid. It is, it is a business by and large. Now, when you look at the top six recipient countries of US foreign aid, um, you see that the countries there they're all places that have got some strategic importance or alliance with 
the USA and disproportionately they well I'll just read the list for you see what you think so we've got Afghanistan this this dates from 2013 by the way but I think that there's still, still much relevance here so we've got Afghanistan got Israel uh, we so total economic aid to Israel is 2.96 billion um, we've got Egypt we've got Jordan Kenya and Pakistan. Now, these these countries receive foreign aid in the terms of economic assistance and also uh, military assistance as well. So, you know, the US certainly would use its aid to help uh, build those uh, political alliances, both regionally and and globally. So. All right. Well, where where do we go from here? You know, so the US has been top dog in terms of super superpower status really since the end of the Cold War. So since the early 1990s. Now, most recently, we've had the rise of what are have been named the BRICS, the uh, uh, sort of right, uh, emerging economies, they're often called. But the, these are um, maybe embryonic superpowers, Brazil, Russia, India and, and China, and China's the big one, um, increasingly seen as, as uh, rivaling the USA in many ways. And much data does point to the fact that, that China became the world's largest economy in 2014. Um, one f- fact that I, I found out was that China has got bigger CO2 emissions now than the US. Is that an indicator of superpower status? discuss. Um, but it has a really big influence over the the global economic system. So, um, and you know, there are other economies that are also having uh, an emerging status, maybe not quite the same degree as China. But if you look at countries like India, they, they've got in, increasingly uh, global role that is being played. Um, in addition to that, Russia um, well, wh- what can we say about Russia? You know, Russia has had quite a lot of um, influence recently. It's definitely got more involved in international affairs, particularly in terms of the Ukraine, Crimea, and its involvement in Syria. So the, 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 the geopolitical landscape is, is starting to shift. And, you know, so whereas... Uh, previously, the US has been has been described by some as being a hyperpower. In other words, it's been so successful as a superpower that it's, it's almost transcended superpower status. It's gone to something something more, something bigger. So hyperpower, um, meaning you've got this combination of really uh, heavy duty hard power. So all the sort of military. Um, Threat, you know, it's the it's the sort of global policeman. It's the you've got the, um, you know, really influential in in terms of trade policy, economic sanctions, and so on. On the other side of it, the soft power side, you've got all of the uh, the influence over uh, through culture, through international leadership, decision making, and and uh, and so on. So that has been really um, a big part of really the uh, the the post war period with america being in that position 
where are we now? You know, so 2019, what's the, the, the current state of affairs? So really, we do have to look at um, the, the current US administration. So with President Trump, um, there are really two things I think that we could could focus on here. This is in terms of US superpower status. So the, the first thing, Trump ha- has set himself up as a political isolationist. And what this means is uh, Trump is really less keen to for the US to be involved in international affairs than previously. Uh, maybe stepping back uh, from uh, setting global agreements. So, you know, one example of that would be uh, with, with climate change, the, the Paris Climate Change Agreement of 2015 and the, the US with, withdrawal from that. Um, how else is the, the isolationist um, approach coming through? Well, part of uh, Trump's um, election campaign was all about building a wall along the US-Mexican border. So again, that's sort of retreating from being more outward-looking um, in international approach. Um, the, the other aspect with this is um, the, the US's, USA's role as far as NATO is concerned. And on a recent trip to, um, to Europe, um, there, w- there was a lot of uh, discussion with European leaders about how much contribution they're making into NATO and really whether the USA still wanted to, to maintain its role of having this sort of protective relationship over, over Europe in, in terms of NATO. So we've got that going on on one, on one side, the pol- political isolationism. On the other side, um, Trump has also portrayed himself as um, uh, a, a protectionist, an economic protectionist. So we've had um, a trade war with, uh, with China uh, as part of that. And we've also had um, this commitment to, to renegotiate or withdraw from, from NAFTA, certainly reshaping a lot in terms of the, um, the international uh, geopolitical stage. So critics of President Trump have really suggested that the, the agenda is, is quite sort of anti uh, gl- globalization anti uh, in- international um, approach what is what will that do to the us's role as as um, superpower status so i think that is a fair question to ask however i, re- I really don't think it's going to change any any time soon so i'm going to finish off just with a few statistics for you um, just really to try and, and reinforce the idea that the USA is still the uh, the number one superpower. So the first one is the you know the US dollar. Um, most global transactions take place in terms of the US dollar. So we we're looking at something like eighty percent of all financial transactions, about eighty seven percent of all foreign currency transactions are in US. Dollars. Um, if you look at uh, GDP, well, the GDP per capita for the US um, is somewhere around fifty-three thousand 
US dollars. Now, if you compare that to China, China's is around um, 6,000 US dollars. Um, military spending we've, we've mentioned as well, but let's just think about migration for a minute. The USA is the world's most favoured migration destination. Um, something like 45 million people living in the USA were born overseas. So it's, it's clearly, it's still incredibly popular as, um, as a, a destination country for migration. Um, finally, 16 of the top 20 uh, universities are based in the USA. So there's a, a lot of ways that we can try and identify superpower status, you know, from the economic, the political, military, cultural, demographic. We haven't even scratched the surface really in terms of access to resources and how the US is always in the top uh, two or three nations producing oil. Now, how concerns about climate change in the coming years will will change that, we'll have to wait and see. But hopefully what we've what we've done here um, in this podcast is, is really just try and underline some of the reasons why the US is, is up there as a superpower. Okay, well, we shall finish off there. Thanks very much for listening. And um, this is Geography Ninja signing out. And just for me to say, take care, be aware, and we'll see you next time.